0: The actors did call them Megadeus. Mm-hmm.
1: Which, you know... Yeah. So here's the thing. That's funny in two ways. One, because... <laughs> <laughs> What's well, funny in three ways? One, because it, how did you fuck up Megadeus? It's so easy. Two, it sounds like you're talking about big shits. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron.
0: And I'm a robot tunnel.
1: And this week, we hop back into our noir mecca with the big O. Before we debate how to pronounce Megadeus, remember you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla... Aaron, we've got another listener recommendation this week, don't we?
0: Yeah, uh, thanks to our listener Alicia, who wanted us to do The Big O, a show I remembered existing on Adult Swim, and then I think both of us struggled to find.
1: Yeah, I had to get the site off of High Dive, um, which is a great site for like a lot of older anime. Um, it's what I used to watch a very good space anime a couple years ago, but um, yeah, that, that's where I watched it. Uh, but yeah, I, I could not find it on like regular streaming services.
0: Yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to use some methods my ISP wouldn't necessarily appreciate. If you catch my drift. They're fine. They'll live. <laughs> they will. Um, but it was I. The weird part is though the the version of the show that I found, which was made in 1999, was the Blu Ray remaster. Like it looked really crisp.
1: Hmm. Weird. I was yeah. wondering, because I li- read through your notes, and I was like, I am not getting that in mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I got some nice contrast, some nice reds. It was lovely.
1: Excellent. Great. Um, yeah, Layla, do you want to go ahead and summarize uh, what the Big O is all about? Because uh, despite what the name is, it's not all fun and games.
0: Um. No, uh, so The Big O is uh, an episodic series about a city where every citizen lost their memories 40 years ago. And no one knows why or frankly gives a shit anymore because they've (laughs) all collectively decided that it's easier to just move on with their lives. Um, Roger Smith is the best negotiator in town, supposedly using his plus nine charisma stat to save the citizenry. Uh, He also secretly pilots a giant robot or Megadeus called the big o in the first couple episodes he rescues an android called r dorothy wainwright and the two of them do very little negotiating but a lot of saving the day every once in a while roger bumps into a hot lady named angel who has scars on her back where her angel wings would have been and she's looking for memories and even this louse has to come face to face with the mysteries of the past dun dun dun
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really it. Like, there is an overarching story, but, like, by the time we got through the first 13 episodes, which was the original run, um, the story was kind of, like, only just getting ramped up, and then it gets cut off. Like, it's a complete, like, to-be-continued, never gets continued until the rights get reacquired, like, a couple years later. Um, But it's very strange. Like, we can't really tell you what the plot is. I mean, I guess we could, because we both looked it up on Wikipedia, but it... (sighs) I don't know that we should.
0: <laughs> it's silly. It's it's, it much. Gets it's a lot. It's really silly. Uh,
1: Angel turns out to be a big robot. It's fine. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. You want to talk mm-hmm. about our characters?
1: Yeah, let's talk about our negotiator. Um, Roger Smith is basically Batman in, Ace, in the Ace Attorney's body, right?
0: Yeah, so he, it's funny because he hates lawyers, but he looks like Goth Phoenix, right?
1: Yeah, 100% um and like that's his whole thing is that he's rich he literally has a button butler who we will get into um and like he drives you know he drives a, a batmobile type mm-hmm. thing it's a car that like shoots missiles and has guns and whatever um and he you know he has a big robot that he pilots around um his whole deal is that like he got let go from the military and like now he's just like a private eye essentially um and he's like he is kind of like a pretty standard noir like protagonist i think like he's exactly like the noir private eye that you imagine um, I guess my big reference point for Noir before we watched Cowboy Bebop was, um, the pastiches of Noir that appeared in Calvin and Hobbes. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's kind of what I imagined him as, down to him imagining himself as, like, kind of a moody, you know, detective, uh, that's, like, always in his whiskey, but he's actually just kind of a <laughs> Um. Yeah. But, yeah, that's Roger Smith, basically. What do you, what do you think about him?
0: My question is, does he suck at his job?
1: I mean, he gets results.
0: Does he? Okay, okay, so Roger (laughs) Smith is a negotiator. We see him negotiate hmm, three times in 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, And he fails all three negotiations.
1: Yeah, he does kind of suck at them.
0: I think he just gets by on being big and hot.
1: I mean, that's that that makes sense if i was roger smith i would try to do that too but yeah i mean like the first one like he gives up the money and then he has to get the money back in it with a it's like a rocket boosted suitcase but then they shoot it and then the money just all falls out uh
0: did you notice uh, when he goes to the farm Because Roger is very big. That's a capital B big. He's a large triangle shaped man. Did you notice he was comparatively small to everyone on the farm?
1: Yeah, like they're all just like huge potato men, like enormous hulks. It was very funny to see him just like a little guy.
0: I would have loved to see them in not Gotham, but it is Gotham, but it's not Gotham.
1: Wait, I mean, so the thing, this is going to be, this is a stupid comics thing, but like, so Gotham is based on Chicago, right? That's my understanding. I don't know. Okay. I believe that's true and then metropolis is based on New York but this is just New York City because they talk about the Hudson River and they reference JFK airport at one point so I'm pretty sure paradigm is just is just New York City
0: all right great
1: Okay. Uh, Not that it doesn't matter. Like I just, I just thought no, that was. I <laughs> just, I just, it.
0: I just am picturing Paradigm City, and it's all in domes now. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, what a wild little parallel universe they've invented. Okay, but they still celebrate Christmas.
1: Yes, that's true. That's a very important thing.
0: Very important, and it's more um, corporate now than before, which is
1: yeah. Crazy. It's it's like Paradigm Day or some shit, but yeah, it's fine. Um, I just. <sighs> Should we cancel Roger Wayne is what I'm thinking.
0: Or what are we canceling him for? Is he just too horny? He, You know what's funny? He is, but he doesn't do anything about it, which I think is fine.
1: I guess that's nice, but like he's always like the first time, like the second time he meets Angel, he's like, oh, I've seen those curves before. Oh, yeah, it's that like, was gross. Sir, we live in a society, you can't just say
0: that. That was gross, but. On the flip side, when him and Angel are trapped in that building and she's too hot, like, physically hot, and she, like, strips down, he doesn't make a comment about it. He makes some, like, corny goofball comment where he's like, oh, I'm trapped in this house with a beautiful woman and she's not throwing herself in my arms to protect her. I was like, all right, sit down, cringe, (laughs) cringe bastard. Um... I think if we're going to cancel him for anything, it's for... Yeah, no, actually, we'll get to star. that.
1: We'll, mm-hmm, we'll get to that. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot about the actual cancellation, uh, which we'll get to. Let's talk about uh, his his ward. Uh, how you feel about our Dorothy Wainwright?
0: Oh, God, I love her so much.
1: Kicks ass. Um,
0: she's, I mean, she's, I love, so she's an android shaped like a girl. Specifically, she's shaped kind of like the, the women bathroom signs.
1: Yeah, like she that. has a permanent metal <laughs> skirt. <laughs>
0: And, um, she's very, uh, she, like, tries to imitate humans. There's a lot of smaller arcs about, um, how, you know, she learns to play the piano with more heart. She gets a cat at one point. Um, there's a a lot of stuff like that. But my favorite thing is when she does freaky robot shit on purpose. Mm
1: -hmm. Like,
0: she'll just contort herself. She'll fling her weird little metal body around. It's dope. Uh, I don't get to see a lot of girl androids actually get... Fo- like, her little headband is a CD-ROM, and it has a light. And sometimes she'll pop her forehead out just to have a flashlight. She rules. I love Dorothy.
1: She's great. I mean, like, yeah, I think we've been established as being fans of, like, the father-daughter combo on this show. And, I mean, it's, it's an effective archetype, right? Um, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking of that character from Bioshock, Elizabeth. I feel like that's probably a pretty common... Uh, trope but like even like i don't know why i'm pulling all these video game references but also the last of us right joel and ellie like this is a thing that's been done you know for centuries right but yeah. um you know, i think it's i think it's effective because it's like it's nice to see someone being like okay i'm gonna help somebody out uh you know this this girl is you know you know, a manufactured person. Right. So she doesn't really have a place here. I'll take her in. Um, she is required to wear all black because that's Roger's stupid uniform requirement, uh, <laughs> which she hates. Um, and she's like, you know, you're a fucking louse, Roger Smith. And he's like, yeah, that's not the first time a woman's called me that. Uh, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, I, I love Dorothy.
0: Uh, Then there's Norman, and the funny thing about Norman is that, uh, so me and you both did some Wikipedia-ing, I think, independently, Uh, and I found out that one of the writers on the Big O wrote on Helsing, which I don't know if you're familiar with Helsing.
1: I know you're extremely familiar with Helsing. I'm
0: extremely familiar with Helsing, but do you remember, there's a scene, Norman is the butler, right? He's the Alfred. He's Alfred, yeah. And he's extremely cool because he he like knows how to uh, maintain this giant robot, and nobody knows why or how, but nobody questions it, um, because again, everyone lost their memory, so he just like knows how to do it without knowing why. And um, he also during the cat episode levels what was it? It was like a fifty cal. It's
1: it's a fifty caliber machine gun, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, out of nowhere, this, this skinny old man, and, uh, you know, when, when Roger's, like, trapped underwater, he's ready to go on a rescue mission, like, it's a whole thing. I realized literally a minute ago that he is Alfred, but he's also the butler from Helsing, who oh. is extremely cool and does a lot of murders with wires. So if the Helsing writer was involved anywhere, I do think he was involved with Norman, is the thing. Yeah.
1: Oh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, regarding, um, like, credits is that Roger Smith is voiced by Steve Bloom, uh, who is, you know, just a huge, huge person in the voice acting industry. You probably know him as uh, Spike Spiegel or uh, Orochimaru, (laughs) Um, so huge. And then, uh, Layla, you also looked up who voices Dorothy, which um, very, very loyal listeners will uh, recognize.
0: (laughs) It's our girl Shion Uzuki from Zeta
1: yeah, I bet you didn't think you were going to get a callback to the Zeta Saga franchise, did you, listeners? And then I couldn't unhear it. Mm-hmm, yep, I was I like, heard- I know I know who voices this, I just don't know who it is. And then when you pointed it out, I was like, oh, this is obviously uh, Dr. Doctor Uzuki, of course.
0: Uh, and then Angel, who, whenever her and uh, Roger would talk, I would, like, some weird scratch was happening in the back of my head. I was like, something's right about this, and I don't know what. And I looked it up, she's Faye fucking Valentine.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Spike
0: and Faye just got brought back here, because the voice acting industry is three people wide at any given time.
1: Yep. So, yeah. Um, I mean, do we have thoughts on Angel?
0: I mean, she's, you know, I like that her hair changed sometimes. Yeah. That was neat. Uh, I'm distracted by the fact that she's a robot. Do you have any thoughts on her?
1: Yeah, I could have gone without learning that she was actually Big Venus <laughs> at the end. Um you know like i think i think she does a fine femme fatale um she's pretty hot that she and she doesn't she like kind of has this weird love-hate relationship with roger which is completely fine yeah i i really wish she wasn't a big robot
0: <laughs> yeah um so i, I added uh, major dotson on here um poor guy
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, a cop in a city full of big robots that, literally every episode, because this is episodic, right, so the Megadeus has to show up every episode, so, like, you know, there's a big kaiju fight every episode, and poor fucking Dan Doshton is just like, well, I've got a gun.
0: I've got a gun, I've got some cops, and that's it.
1: (laughs) And a French girlfriend, I guess, in that one episode. Um I was just gonna say he's Commissioner Gordon, right? Like Roger Smith once at one point says, like, you know, Dan Dastin. like he he's a he's a hard-nosed guy who believes in the integrity of the military police, but this city needs him, and it's like, okay, I guess.
0: He's the Gordon to Roger's Batman, but he's also um he's the Zenigata to Rogers Lupin. Like, there's just enough of like a vague homoerotic antagonism between the two of them that i was like this is goofy you know um but uh yeah he's just a real tired man and uh listen we've we've established ourselves as an acab podcast but he is a good character
1: yeah yeah I mean, um, this is a fictional universe where cops are useful so he's fine
0: yeah sometimes they are ruled by awful mega corporations. so
1: yeah I mean, what are you gonna do um speaking, speaking of, of <laughs> mega corporations i just don't know that we can say much about alex rosewater
0: (laughs) he sure wears a white suit
1: yeah i mean he's the in every studio trigger uh anime there's a you know billionaire villain that's alex Rosewater. um he gets a big mech at some point and kills his dad it does not matter
0: (laughs) nope uh he sure is uh and he's supposed to be like the big shadowy villain i'm not sure it works it's Um, it's whatever it's for reasons i think we're about to outline
1: (laughs) yeah yeah but you know, he 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 serves a purpose. It, it's it's nice to know that somebody's pulling the strings, even if we don't know why. It's just like okay, something's going on here, and maybe that mystery is what made me appreciate the show in the first half.
0: Yeah, the second half dragged a little bit. Um, so before we move on to our talking points, um, I did I do need to settle something. So both Aaron and I, uh, Aaron, you watched the first couple episodes subbed, right?
1: Yes, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> okay, so Aaron watched the first couple episodes, subbed I did not. Um The giant robots are called Megadeus. As in Big God. Yeah, that is... it's not
1: subtle. Um the the big O when when he activates you know, every, the the phrase, you know, cast in the name of God ye um without sin, right?
0: uh as ye are not guilty or something you are not
1: guilty yeah it's yeah. you know it's a reference to a thing in the bible basically but like yeah like it's it's not subtle it's very drawing very clearly drawing from a biblical history
0: exactly uh, some choices were made in the dub um <laughs> the actors did call them megadeus mm mm-hmm.
1: which you know yeah. So here's the thing. That's funny in two ways. One, because... <laughs> What's well, funny in three ways? One, because it. how did you fuck up Mega Deus? It's so easy. Two, it sounds like you're talking about big shits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, hold on. I got a third one that's very specific yeah. to this podcast. It did every time make me think, you mega douche. <laughs>
1: You do, you mega douche. God, I cannot wait for the basketball crossover where they all play in mega douches. Oh
0: my god, I would, I would kill God with my bare hands for a noir anime sports
1: show. Uh, yeah, it's, that's it, yeah. So, um, uh,
0: I did pull out a poll on Twitter, just so we're clear. Uh, so if you voted in the poll, thank you. Very high participation in the poll for polls I usually put out, um... It is a seventy-eight to twenty-one uh, Mega Deus to Mega, mega Deus. So thank you uh, for f- folks who who voted fucking correctly.
1: Yeah, thank you, God. Please. Um, anyway, we had to get that out
0: of the way because it was so.
1: Because <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, I really, I really want to be able to play Stardew Valley while I watch this. Um, so like, for the first three episodes, I was like, well, I guess I'm just gonna. Because I was also, I was, I was painting a mech while I was watching, uh, watching this, and I was like, ah. Oh. Appropriate. Yeah, um, but uh, once I figured out how to switch it over, I was shocked with the pronunciation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was was always funny when, because every single time I thought they were going to slip up and say mega douche.
1: (laughs) If you play it a hundred times on the 101st time, they do say it. That's a little Easter egg for hardcore fans. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, so Aaron, let's talk about how this show happened and why no one has heard of it.
1: I mean... All I know is what I saw from Wikipedia, which is that um they they put it on out thirteen episodes and then people were like oh, there's not enough uh, interest. and then like three years later it got bought and then they made the the bad second half. but what what else did you find?
0: Uh, so okay, there's a couple there's some new nu- nuances here. Mm. Um, nuance number one is the Big O started out as a gimmick for a toy. That is a fucking quote. Um, so we're sure. we working backwards from robots here uh somebody said robots but make it to noir and uh that's where we started uh so <clears throat> the thing the thing about having uh a toy a toy design is Bandai Hobby Division said not enough and they wanted more robots. And so then more robot designs came around. Which, by the way, these robots were specifically designed not to be practical, but to be macho. So that's why there's so many, like, exposed rivets and shit. Like, no, nothing mm-hmm. in the show is practical. It's all for the vibes. Um, but then once uh, there were more robots designs, that's when a writer got brought on. And then came up with the idea of a town without memory. And then we got 13 episodes of television that ends on a cliffhanger and got dropped for four years. And then the reason... It got picked up again was because there was some international interest, um, even though it didn't do well in Japan, and uh, American writers and producers got involved.
1: Uh, that's where we'll get you.
0: <laughs> and the American writers and producers said that in the second season, they must immediately reveal the mystery of what's going on with Amnesia Town.
1: Good. Yes, that's because Americans, as we've shown on this podcast, are a bunch of fucking morons. We can't not have our secrets revealed. We have to have it laid out in plain language.
0: No fucking subtlety. Um, the other thing I want to point out from the wiki, which is just fascinating, um, is they do draw direct comparisons to Batman characters. Like, it's not a secret. It is just a like a Batman anime with robots. Um sunrise the studio that animated the big o subcontracted for cartoon network and also animated batman so oh
1: well that works out great
0: (laughs) yeah so uh that's a little bit of of big o history for you um i just
1: i love the idea that one probably a team of writers but a writer was handed a line of toys and was like make me (laughs) make me a story out of these robots (laughs) and they came up with this um honestly they could have done so much worse and like the the story of this is like the way that they executed this is very impressive considering they were just like so this robot looks like a mummy um this one looks like this one but it's got jet boosters Uh, And this one is this is if this guy had a big cool haircut
0: yeah oh god okay we'll come back to this in a minute because we have a we were talking, but I, I have some thoughts about <laughs> the way this was written. Um, that I mean, the thing about the way this was written is that, Aaron, when was the last time we've seen a truly episodic show?
1: I mean, the last one I can really think of is Cowboy Bebop, right? Like, there there is kind of an ongoing story, both in Bebop and here. But, like, you know, you could pick any given episode out of these two. And like you know, just slap it on Cartoon Network on Toonami, which is you know, what they did, and be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is um, okay, I missed, you know, I haven't been, I haven't been able to watch these in a couple weeks, but yeah, no, this this still works great, um, and like I think that's that's kind of interesting, right? Like, I mean, you know, as a writer, I I do prefer like a big complete narrative arc, um, like I said, I am an American. Um, but like, I do understand, like, like, it is kind of useful to just be like, yeah, here's the the characters that you know, they're, you know, there's a pretty solid formula. And we're gonna have some we're gonna fill in the, the stuff that you don't already expect with like some interesting stuff, like, like the Christmas episode, I thought was actually like really fun, just because it's like you know we get you get the big fucking mech battle, you get you know Roger being bad at investigating, but you also get bits with him like buying Dorothy a present and like meeting the jazz musician who Dorothy thinks is shit, <laughs> um, and like uh, I think that's that's really interesting because it does allow for a lot of characterization in between the formula.
0: Right, because um, I mean, like, and that's, I think that's the thing, right, is is long gone, for most part, are the days where you fall asleep, and you wake up to an episode of something, because that's how I stumbled upon the Big O, like, I saw the <laughs> tsunami run, um, and it would be, like, between Inuyasha and Wolf's Rain or some shit, and I wanted to watch both Inuyasha and Wolf's Rain, and there was Big O in between, so, like, why wouldn't I just sit through the Big O? And I remembered, the only thing I remembered about the Big O is it looked really cool, and I really liked Dorothy. Two things I still agree with
1: Mm mm-hmm 100
0: it's a cool looking show and dorothy fucking rules um like streamers nowadays will make basically an eight-hour movie and i think that's a big complaint for a lot of people in like the binging model but you used to be able to just sit through an episode of television that had its own like encapsulated storyline um Mm -hmm. i think there are still some shows that do that like what we do in the shadows you can just kind of tune in and be fine Mm-hmm. um but for the most part like a lot of the major programs we're seeing lately are eight-hour movies which
1: well like even the fucking movies right if you go with the classic example of marvel right like if you don't watch every movie right you're gonna be like well who the fuck are these characters and how do they all know each other and like why do they have you know a history um and like you know that's it does definitely just show the contrast of like what media used to be like 20 years ago
0: Right, which, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying one's better or worse than the other, but yeah. it would be nice to have something other than needing to know every intricacy of a franchise. Yeah. Um, now, I have another question for you.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can answer it.
0: <laughs> Is this camp?
1: Layla, I, you know I'm the token straight person on the podcast. I don't yeah, know if I'm legally allowed to say if something is camp.
0: I don't – well, here's the thing. This is a safe space. And I feel like you've learned a lot between me and Michael and Josh. Um, mm-hmm. Michael and Josh from uh, famously the Bible Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you get a hint of camp from this? i mean like i don't know
1: because like i feel like it's campy in the way that all anime is campy which is that it's over dramatic and a lot
0: it is a lot i think i started to i started to get the taste of camp um when the taste of camp
1: is the name of your memoir by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh the the taste i started to get a little a little taste of camp when roger told uh, Dorothy that she has to wear black to live in his house because we love a stunt queen. Um, mm-hmm. I really sealed in my verdict that this was camp when um Schwartzwald showed up um, and he looked like a mummy and <laughs> then his robot looked like a mummy. Yeah. And then Roger said the phrase unbroken it's now time to face the darkness inside me. And I was like, no, this is camp.
1: But see, here's the thing. Like, that's a line that would not be out of place in a Kingdom Hearts. But Kingdom Hearts isn't camp, I would say. Right?
0: You're not wrong is the thing. I think so, just, like,
1: what is the difference?
0: I mean, there's not enough stunt queens in Kingdom Hearts. If you, like, I think you could say 358 over 2 is camp. Because the organization is camp.
1: Okay, yes, I'll agree with that.
0: But the franchise at large is not camp because there's not enough stunt queens.
1: Okay, um, so is camp like people who are being a lot on purpose versus people who are being a lot um, and they're just annoying?
0: It's an inherent a lotness that is so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, listen, a Dorothy clone shows up as Little Red Riding Hood and tries to kill Roger. That's pretty camp. I mean, maybe. It's just such a like. It's just such a commitment to the aesthetic that it's 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 borderline insane.
1: I suppose, right? If you're willing to to go all out in the ways in which that the show does, I. You know, I don't want to make be making any definitions, but I, I can understand what you're saying. Like, there are parts of this that like wraps all the way around. Like, there's a bit where, <laughs> there's a bit where there's like a ghost mecca that shows up, and like everybody's like, oh, you don't you don't have to be afraid of ghosts. Ghosts aren't real. But then it is very much like a hundred foot big weird potato sack of ghost, and it's like, okay, if this was if they were trying to make me actually be afraid of this, I think this would be stupid But because they're just like, yeah, whatever. It's a big fucking (laughs) weird ghost. It's like, okay, I get it.
0: I, yeah, exactly. I think, listen, I don't know if it's, it's, it's wholly committed enough to be camp, but it, it teeters on it in a way that I find very enjoyable.
1: So, I mean, I think what it boils down to though, is just like, you know, does this, does this show work for us?
0: Did it work for you?
1: Kind of is my honest answer. Like, like all the stuff that we were talking about, like that we enjoyed, right? The characterization, the non overarching story stuff, like I think really does work for me, right? I love, I love Norman. I love Roger. I don't love Roger, but I love the ways in which everybody like interacts with him and is like, God, you're so annoying. Um, I think that's the fun, you know, I think Dorothy, you know, I just love a, a, a robot girl in general, Um, you know, especially one that's like kind of mean. Um, So like, you know, I think Dorothy's great. And I think, you know, I think the robots were cool, you, you know, they're, they're all had like different distinct designs, like the Megadeus, like it has, you know, it has the fucking, you know, like biblical scripture that rolls across its chest in like a text crawl, um, every time it launches. And then it's also got like, like eyes. Camp. Yeah. I mean, it's really good, but like also it's eyes have like these, these marks that look like it's like crying blood. Um, and like, that's really great. I love that shit. Um, yeah. But like, um, you know, a lot of the overarching, like, big capital S story stuff, I thought was nothing. Um, maybe not nothing, but I thought I was like, I don't, I don't get where this is going. Um, and, and especially the relationship between Dorothy and Roger at the end really soured for me. Oh my we'll god! Get, okay, yeah. we'll get into
0: that at the end. <clears throat> Fucking, it did. It worked for me for all the same reasons you just listed. Were like baseline. All of the elements are fun. Um, I, again, love the big robots, love Dorothy, love all that. I even, I like, just like you said, I like Roger getting shit on by everybody. I think that's a fun- It's
1: really good. If you, if you make over a billion dollars a year, you deserve to have everybody talk shit at you.
0: Exactly. And he takes it pretty well, you know, uh. He
1: accepts it. (laughs)
0: Uh, my problem with the show is that it is so derivative of everything else that I, I was just getting distracted by comparisons. So- The noir thing, we have Cowboy Bebop, and not to mention the same voices, so I can't stop thinking about Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, like, you
1: can't cast literally the same voice actors and not invite that comparison.
0: Right. Uh, And then, you know, when we read the summary for season two, immediately all I could think about was Evangelion. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a bunch of other comparisons that I was just, like— Every single time something happened, I would just draw it and be like, oh, this was, like, this other anime that came out around the same time. So it was just nothing wandered far enough away from something that's already been established by another narrative for me to, like, get attached to it and think it was, like, fun enough for me to invest time in season two. It is also so derivative that the battle music for the Big O, every time I heard it, I was like, this sounds exactly like battle themes from Xena Saga, I swear to God. Oh. And... This is the sound clip I was looking for earlier. The ending theme, the piano riff for the ending theme sounds exactly like a song. So if this is the opening piano riff to the big O theme. Sounds exactly like Celine Dion's, it's all coming back to me now.
1: No way. yeah yeah it's pretty darn close huh i
0: have had it's all coming back to me now stuck in my head for 36 hours i don't Hmm. know what to do anymore i don't have the vocal range (laughs) so i yeah so i I, for those reasons like i really couldn't I, i like it but i like it as much as i liked it when i would wake up to it right i'm glad i saw it it's cool yeah but if you ask me next year what was the show about, I'd be like, uh, robots?
1: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately I don't think it had enough memorable beats to really stick in there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we spent the time with it, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be gonna be something that we, we bring up at the end of the year bracket.
0: And then uh, the one memorable thing.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> there becomes a part where, like, dorothy starts asking roger a lot of questions and she's like oh you know how do you how do you know when somebody loves someone and then like when she's like oh well roger you know like this guy that fell in love with his wife after they you know both had their memories wiped and woke up together she's like if we both had our memories wiped would we fall in love and roger is like oh i don't know how to answer that um but like especially here at the end of like, it starts to seem like they're trying to seed a relationship with Roger and Dorothy, which is no good.
0: I just, like, it, listen, it's, it's not as bad as another property that shan't be named, uh, which is not it Naruto. It with
1: Dasha <laughs> It's
0: not Naruto. Usually when we say, uh, property that can't be named, we're talking about Naruto, not this time. We're talking about the sequel to Inuyasha- yashihime princess half demon which i guess i just named it but whatever um you could reasonably believe dorothy's in her 20s right roger is obviously in his 30s probably late 30s Mm -hmm. so it's like but it's not like it could be worse you know like my my parents were 15 years apart, so it's, like, ugh, once you get older, it's a little blurrier. But, like, if you're a thir- in your mid-30s, you're dating someone in your 20s, you're pretty gross. Yes. Um, she is painted like a teenager is the problem.
1: They refer to her as a girl and a daughter a lot within the first couple episodes, which cemented her character as a younger person. Like, I never viewed her as anybody older than, like, 18.
0: No, I saw her as, like, 18, 19. It was exactly. super. It was super uncomfortable. Um, It's... Uh, You can't... It is... Feeling protective over somebody in a romantic way is completely different than feeling protective over someone in a parental way. And Roger feels protective over Dorothy in a parental way.
1: You cannot cross those wires.
0: (laughs) You can't cross those wires, Yashahime princess half-demon. Like, it is... It, it is gross to watch, right? And I, and you have to sit there and ask yourself, who is this for? Because in theory, the big O asks the question, what does American masculinity parentheses positive look like from an outsider's perspective? Um, that's an audience. And then Yashahime Princess Half Demon is for supposedly new watchers in the like 12 to 16 bracket, but also, you know, nostalgic older, mostly women uh that remember the original property and it's like okay well then you're positing to me that this demon raised this seven-year-old and then married her
1: yeah you can't you can't do that that's bad
0: so like i just don't and mind you this is not a new concept right like that was the ship people had in in the early 2000s right like These these sickos were around back then too. (laughs) Listen, we've always
1: had perverts throughout all of history.
0: (laughs) Yeah, perverts are not new, but it's just like it was so off putting because like then why bother with Angel?
1: Exactly right, and like that's the thing is that because they, it, it seems like they kind of avoid it in the second half of it because it goes so off the rails that it doesn't matter, I suppose. Um, but it does seem like they kind of lean into an angel relationship there at the end, but also she merges with the big O and disappears to become the new guardian. I don't care, actually, it's fine, but basically they don't, they don't like, you know, formalize it, which is, you know, we're going to have to live with.
0: Right, which is, that ending is derivative of Evangelion, so it's like. Mm Mm-hmm. And Evangelion, for as much as that franchise frustrates me, does it better. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, listen, but-
0: like, when, when you when you take something
1: like the big O that's, like, very clearly, like, started as, like, a we just want to make money thing, and then you just start, you know, going from there and taking, you know, beats and, and you know, themes from other properties. Like, you know, it, it, it is, unfortunately, just the sum of its parts.
0: It's, it's a very fun background. Honestly, though, I will say, if you're an animation person, I think it's worth watching because it has some really clever reuse. But also, the shape design is just crispy. It's beautiful. That show has a look to it. And it's uh, I really liked watching it. But um, yeah, in terms of story and engagement, it was fine. Um, I'm certainly not going to finish season two. Yep,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. But... But the idea of a franchise that started as a toy selling gimmick did give me, I, I feel like I've brought this up before, but I do like thinking about this. So I want to pose this question again, Layla. Uh, if if you were making a show that was just, you know, like this, episodic, so, you know, you don't really have to think too much about an overarching story, but generally made to sell toys, you know, what do you think your property would look like?
0: Are you asking me what kind of toy I'd make that could... Start fuel? with the
1: toys and then build the story out from there, just like the creators of the big O. <laughs>
0: um oh my goodness i can start if you want to think about it um
1: so my first instinct um is to go to the dark souls franchise Uh
0: um
1: you know so i think you just take all of the boss monsters from from soft games and um you basically take them and you're just like okay we got a bunch of bosses people we are gonna play with these toys it'll be great From there you can start just being like, Okay, you got a tarnished, you got maybe um a tarnished like either like whatever, you know, like the other hunters were from from like Bloodborne, like maybe there's like a like a hunter who is maybe an ex partner, um, both in the hunting sense and the romantic sense. um, Maybe that's their counterpart, and they and they like always end up crossing over with each other, and then they end up having to team up to fight a big monster, which will be the toy that you sell. Um, you know, maybe there is like a another like third party that's like either a romantic interest or like a like a guardian, like you know like, like a mentor that's like, hey, here's a new tool or like here's this, this secret information. Um, and then maybe, you know, there's, like, a gang of lovable little scamps that that runs around and gets into trouble. And I feel like you could have a lot of fun in the weird uh, worlds of the FromSoft franchise.
0: I think you're right. Um, I think I would want to put out a line of, um, let me go, what sword I'm looking for? Modular. Uh, I, I'm thinking of putting out a line of modular animal toys with, with like, uh, uh parts you can connect and disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way, clever kids can build their own fucking chimeras. And the episodic TV show I want to put out is about, um, it would just kind of be Pokemon is the thing. Okay. But the gimmick is that the kids have to build their chimeras <laughs> and fight the chimeras <laughs> And I think you could have a lot of fun.
1: Pokemon Meeks Frankenstein. I like this.
0: I think you could have a lot of fun with a bunch of fucked up little dudes running around. Um, You know, I'm thinking you could put some fucking horse legs on a squirrel. Um, (laughs) Really fuck that little guy up. Um, You could could get some fucking flamingo wings on a horse just for fun. Uh, It's a lot you could do for, for kids to both express themselves and really deal some damage. Um, and, you know, if the if the, the feathery and the hairy parts are groomable, that's always fun for kids. Um, Love a brush.
1: Love a doll you can brush.
0: Yeah, I want something that they could have fun with uh, at the time and then look back on and go, what? <laughs> Those
1: are the best franchises.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to be millionaires.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, you can send our checks to uh, mortifiedpod at gmail.com. Um, If you've got your own uh, weird uh, modular toy franchise that you want to pitch to us, you can send us a voicemail at 775-573-8882. And we will, you know, maybe we'll read it on the air. Maybe. if If we like you enough, we'll do a whole episode based on your recommendation. Uh, Yeah. It's worked for at least two listeners.
0: In a row, which is crazy.
1: But probably not this year because we have the whole year mapped out. But we'll see.
0: (laughs) We have, hey, we have one slot left.
1: One golden slot left.
0: If you, if you really hit it out of the fucking park, who knows?
1: Who knows? Layla, when we are not tempting our listeners with the one golden opportunity to get us to make a 45 minute episode about their favorite media property uh where can people find us on the internet
0: you can find me at leylses on tumblr twitter and instagram Uh, i'm vibing as per usual aaron what about you Uh,
1: i'm on twitter at aaron sxl where i tweet about tabletop rpgs health policy and writing uh i just posted my story that got published in broken plate uh Called "Honored christian soldiers soldiers it's about um thomas jackson getting his arm ripped off by an angel it's great um i also do tabletop reviews that's at aavoit on youtube i just reviewed um a tactical uh souls like game by spencer campbell who's one of my favorite uh, rpg designers so check that out uh, i do another podcast uh with the aforementioned bible boys that's at the bible boys uh this week we were talking about the uh historical uh drama, Risen, which I believe has to do with a centurion who is, like, hunting for Jesus's body? I have no idea. I hope it's funny. Um, and not a waste of two hours, but we'll see. Uh, that is always the risk uh, with these shows. Uh, but check that out. Our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, I... You know, with this episode, I just... I don't know if I... I don't know. Something's not right. Could I have said something wrong?
0: No, sir. Nothing particular other than the usual.
1: (laughs) We'll see you all next week.